Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 143 of the Relaxed Running Podcast. Today on the show, we're bringing you an intense story of a bloke by the name of Thomas Strybala, who is in the process of preparing to run the equivalent distance of a lap of the earth. He's done some pretty intense challenges before, some huge runs before. Really inspiring to hear about uh, how far he's gone, some of the challenges he's overcome, and more than that, why he got involved in running. More than just doing these ultra, can you even call it ultra? More than just doing these intense challenges, he's also a huge ambassador for mindful running, which we tap into a little more today, learning about how to separate ourselves from the pain and the discomfort that comes with any difficult training session or race. So uh, as distance runners or as runners in any sport, obviously we all hit points in our performance where we go, hang on a second, this is getting really tough. So to be equipped with some of these tools is super helpful. It's a really uh, enlightening, really helpful, really positive message and uh, one that left me super inspired. I ended up putting on my running shoes and heading out the door for a run not too long after finishing this interview. So hopefully it inspires you to do the same. Guys, reminder, uh, still offering personal coaching. If you're an athlete of any level looking for some help and guidance, jump over to relaxrunning.com, click on the coaching tab to learn more about what we've got. That goes across a variety of sports as well. But for the meantime... You enjoy this one. I hope it's inspiring to you like it was for me. This is myself and Thomas Drybala. I mean, I'm so excited to to hear about your story. But before we get into all that, where, where are you at the moment? You in Poland? Yeah, I'm I'm at current time in Poland. I actually live like for the past 21 years in in London, in the United Kingdom. But uh, currently, I'm for. Um, I was planning actually to come to Poland just for one week, but my mother didn't let me come back to the United Kingdom because I haven't been in Poland like since 2017. And you know, I have this huge challenge in front of me. So uh, I heard lots of complaints from the family. So I, I decided to train in Poland. Then I decided, okay, I'm going to stay for one, one month. And now it's coming to two months. <laughs> That's how it is with the family. They don't want to let me go. Your, your mom sounds like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> All moms are the same. You know, the, but there is a little, later, a little issue here. And I did have some conversation with her. And probably the same with yours. You know, <laughs> my plate is always full. And, you know, I cannot eat that much. <laughs> That's one thing mums are very good for. It's true. Mums are the same because uh, whenever I go down to my mum's house, there's a plate full of food as well. But which part of London were you living in when you were there? Because my wife lived in, uh, my wife and I lived in a little place called Tufnell Park, right near Camden Town, for two years. I, I, I was working in a Camden farm, town for quite long, and I was living in a Primrose Hill, which is quite close to. Well, it's just next to the Camden Town. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time I was living a bit more north in in Golders Green. So, yeah, it's actually that area. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, man. And your accent is Polish originally? Um, I, I mean, a lot of people confuse me. Sometimes people say Italian, sometimes say, say uh, French. But you know, I, I think it must be definitely Polish. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was born in Poland and I was living in Poland for 21 years. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So it rubs off on you after a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I'm excited to talk about your, your your whole story, your adventures, your approach to running, everything that uh 
that we'd sort of discussed in the lead up to this podcast because it's it's such a fascinating story. And I often say to people that I, I love having people like you on the show because a lot of this is a lot of this podcast is targeted at running and running based sports. And we come in with with very uh, practical steps on, okay, like, how can we prove our distance running? And what I like about your story is, uh, not only is the the mindfulness element going to help that, but the the way in which you're demonstrating your point is, is just incredible. And obviously, um, I'll do my best to offer an overview as to what it is that you're doing and how you found your way into the sport of running. But I thought, what would be way better than me trying to do the introduction is, handing the ball to you and allowing you to give us a bit of an overview and sort of paint the picture of, of how you got to where you are now with your running. Cause it's an amazing story. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I started running like 18, maybe 20 years ago, but for the per- first 15, maybe 16 years, I was just running like half an hour, twice a week, just to clear my mind, uh, you know, after work or before the work. So uh, it was nothing special. And usually I was, quite tired after that half an hour. And then in uh, 2016, my life's changed a lot. Um, I was going through some really difficult time and I did have really needs to improve my mental health, to just feel better, um, you know, to not be some, so much stress and don't feel so uh, much anxieties. And um, I decided to do something with myself um, in a, in a, um, late December um, 2015, I go for one month to Asia, just you know, to think about myself. I just spent one month on the beach, just with the books. I met a few people, and that was actually like a shake-up time for me because I realized um, that all my anxieties, stresses, overwhelms, which I did have for nearly. 40 years in my life um, I don't actually need to have them it was quite normal for me because I was living in a society and everyone was saying this is how the life is we have stresses we have anxieties we have overwhelms and it's never ending but back there in 2016 um, and, and late 2015 I realized after meeting a few people that no, it's not like this. I don't have to actually live that way. I don't need to feel the way how I was feeling for the most of my life. And you know, when I come back to London um, after a month, I just started changing my life. I didn't know what to do yet, how to improve my mental health and you know, the uh, overall well-being. Uh, but I started making a small changes and I started running much, much more. I started running like five, six times per week. Um, more than hour a day. Then in um, uh, March 2018, so two years later, I decided to start a tr- to start training for my first big challenge, but I didn't know yet for what I will be training. I just increased my my training. Then in uh, November 2018, there was a guy Ross who finished swim around the Great Britain. He spent like 158 days in the sea. And I said to myself, gosh, if that guy can swim, stay in the sea, in the water for nearly 200 days, I can do some crazy stuff with um, with uh, running. And then in uh, I increased running even more. And then in April 2019, I started running my first big challenge to make 5 million steps in 100 days. I managed in 101 days. I was one day late. You know, for me... 
uh, running was never about that physical um, part. For me, I was always interested in mental health. I was always interested how I can use any form of exercises and especially running because that was actually the, the only sport I was ever doing how I can use it to improve mental health and to make like a really uh, stable and lasting uh, changes in mm. my life. And after completed 5 million steps, um, I, I knew that I can train for wherever I want uh, in life. It was uh, probably if I would know how hard it will be, <laughs> I would never start it. <laughs> But, you know, once I started, I wanted to finish because mm -hmm. I said to people I would do it. So I, I wanted to finish. So how many kilometers? I, how many kilometers or miles? Oh, that was, that was actually, yeah, that was actually multi-sport. So what I was doing, I, I fly to Asia and I was going from I, one island to another island, from one country to another country. And I was cycling from one place to another place. Then I was running in this place for the next few days to see all the beautiful things. Um, and then I was going on a bike and I was cycling to, to another place and doing again um, the same. And my activity watch was calculating the, the steps. So I did something nearly 6,000 kilometers altogether. Um, but, you know, I, I started from making 25,000 steps in the first days. And I ended up by making over 100,000 steps in a day. The busiest day for me was 107,000 steps. It took me something over 14 hours. I really remember this day because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was on the first floor. It was a Cebu Island in Philippines. And I was on the first floor in a, in a little room. And I remember I finished after the midnight. And I did this 107,000 steps because on this month, I wanted to complete 2 million steps. And in the morning, it was 107,000 steps missing. So I said, <laughs> I have to try to do it. <laughs> and you know, I finished after the midnight and I was holding the rail and you know, slowly lifting up the one leg to put on the step and then another leg to put on the step because my legs were so tired that I couldn't get on the first floor. But the next morning was glorious. I was the winner. Uh, you were the winner. It's interesting. <laughs> I was the winner. <laughs> I was going to ask you uh, uh, what the reason for you increasing the distance so much from day one was, saying you started with 25,000. Was that because it, it took you a little while for your body to become conditioned and accustomed to the fact that you were just going to be running long, long days for a long time? Because my yes, wife and I, uh, we, did the, we did the Camino uh, de Santiago trail in 2017. And on a much smaller scale than what you're talking about, I remember the first couple of days we were backpacking. We had, I think it was 15 kilometers. So what's that? About uh, 10 miles roughly that yeah. we were walking. And the first couple of days we were like, oh my goodness, I thought we were fit, but we couldn't bend down. We couldn't squat. It was, our legs were so sore. And then like you, uh, well, like it sounds like you did, we noticed that from about day three or four, our body was like, okay, I understand what's going on. I better adjust. Yeah, exactly. You know, plus uh, I never did any challenges at all uh, before. So actually the first two or three weeks, it was really heavy for me. And when I started increasing, I was actually doing, before I started running this challenge, I was actually doing about 25 to 40,000 steps a day in London already. And then when I get to, to I started in, from uh, Indonesia, in, in, from Bali, when I get there, um, I started from 25,000 and increasing up 
and it was really hard because you know the the climate was completely different the time zone was completely different so you know i i couldn't do it at the beginning that forty thousand um steps and then the pain in all the muscles all around the body in the places when i didn't even know i have a muscles to, <laughs> you know it was it was terrible at the beginning but i just kept pushing and you know i i calculated that when i was calculating this challenge i calculated that okay i'm already doing 25 40,000 steps a day um so if i divide 5 million steps on 100 days is like 50,000 steps so it should be, be should be manageable but you know i calculated 100 days in a row without a break that was the mistake first Another thing that I get bored with one place because I go to small islands and I did have to move to another place that was like a day traveling. So I lost a day of four exercises. And then the, at the end of the challenge was really heavy because I did have to push to make more steps than which I lost before. Yeah. And, you know, and, but I did it eventually one day later, but it's not like I'm, you know, uh, criticizing myself. Yes, yeah, it's still impressive. One day. Yeah. And then uh, three weeks later, I started running 11,000 kilometers. I moved to Hanoi in Vietnam. The plan was to run from Hanoi to Denpasar in Bali through the ocean coast. I ran half of the distance, five and a half thousand kilometers. And the COVID happened, um, so I couldn't continue running. I managed to escape from uh, Sumatra and Malaysia four hours before the borders were shut down for, for lockdown. I go to Sumatra in Indonesia, where I supposed to run through Sumatra, Java and Bali, but it was impossible because of uh, COVID um, the Indonesia was never under the full lockdown, but um, um, you cannot move even from one village to another. So I get stuck in a small village next to the jungle. People was attacking me at the beginning because uh, they thought I brought the COVID to them. And then, you know, after two weeks, two or three weeks, it was really hard because I couldn't move from the hotel room. And then I realized that I get stuck here for longer. It was March 2020 and no one knows what's going on with COVID. So I decided that I have to continue my challenge. I choose one road through the jungle and through the village. There was two police officers speaking a bit in English. So they were informing people in the village that I'm okay, I'm not sick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I was running, waving to all the people around, smiling. Kids eventually started running after me and the people accepted me in the village. So. I was going to ask, that's an awkward place to be stuck when yeah. uh, when you're in a small village and the community believes you're the one who brought COVID to them. So when you yeah. say, were they attacking you, like yelling at you or physically? Yeah, no, they were, they were trying to beat me. They, they were stopping on the, on the bikes and, you know, there was no way I can get out of the room after the darkness. And it was pretty much, uh, you know, challenging to go to the shop. They were trying to pushing me and shouting on me, and you know, them saying some internationally English words <laughs> <laughs> and showing some fingers uh, to me. So it, it was a bit hard at the beginning, but um, you know, after two three weeks, they realized, okay, it's all fine. Uh -huh. And they accepted me and they were welcomed me and, and it was really nice. I mean, you know, the Indonesian people, they're extremely 
nice people, but mm. it was hard time for everyone and hard to understand what is what is happening. It's so um, interesting. It's crazy to hear that there's a community that actually believes that you were the one that brought it into them. <laughs> like, what what was it about uh, you? Was it just you were sort of a uh, you were sort of just someone that they could point the finger to? Because I mean, it was pretty big news at that stage. Yeah. But was this was it a village with with uh, you know? Did it have internet and television and things? Were they able to see that? Yeah, they they, they did. And um, uh, but. Um, you know, it's hard to explain. Um, they do have a TV and, you know, internet, everything, but it's like 100 years ago uh, mm. with the mentality and when I go on the on the road and what I actually seen in the village, etc. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was what it was, uh, but eventually they've been very, really very nice uh, to me and I stayed there actually for six months altogether in the same village. And, you know, I divided the remaining distance, five and a half thousand kilometers on 268 half marathons. And I was running through the same road, two to five half marathons daily. And I eventually completed the entire challenge, 11,000 kilometers and i back you know winner again what <laughs> winner did you say myself. you were doing two from two to five half marathons each day yes two to five half marathons each day oh I was my doing. goodness man it, That's in... it, it was hard some of the days but mm -hmm. you know the, the beauty of what i was doing is that along the way um, of those two uh, big challenges i discovered the state of flow and um, I, I got really curious. It, it happened to me accidentally because I was afraid of the snakes. Um, you know, I, when I was a little kid, I go through some childhood traumas and I was always dwelling on the past, worrying about the future. I was never actually in the present moment awareness. I, I was really struggling with focusing on one thing at a time for a longer period. And when I was running through Asia, uh, the snakes was absolutely everywhere. And a few times I almost stepped on a snake so I couldn't dwell on the past, worrying about the future, because I did have to focus on what I have in front of me, on when I'm putting my feet. So this is what I was doing. And, you know, when I was doing this, I was actually practicing mindful running and active meditation. And at some point, I started running at crazy distances, 70, 80, 90 kilometers, 100 kilometers. I mean, you know, it was already a few years of training, but... The, the crazy thing was that I was repeating this one day, second day, third day, second week. Um, and, and it was like kind of the effortless. Like I, I did it for the few hours. I come back to the hotel room um, and after one hour break, resting, taking shower, I could open the laptop and I was able to work for the next few hours and, you know, be focused. And that was something absolutely, you know, something what I didn't experience in my life ever, be, ever before. So I was really curious what the hell is happening to me. And, you know, I started, yeah. No, sorry, go on. I started searching the internet and I discovered that I'm getting into the state of flow and I didn't even know that name before. So you know, I started learning how, why, what is creating this. And I started creating the program. I started thinking how I can do it purposefully, how I can create those conditions, how I can remove flow blockers. And I didn't have a plenty of time <laughs> in Asia to do it because I, you know, I was all the time on my own. There was no crazy runner to run with me that distance. So I didn't have a plenty of time to think and to read and to learn. And that's what I did.
That's really good. It's interesting, um, just going back to what you were saying about, I'm not sure what year you said it was, but when you spent a month in Asia on the beach with your books and just trying to find some answers to, you know, the anxieties and stress and things that you had. And obviously it's it's such a universal thing. There's, there's not one person that I speak to who hasn't had to deal with some element of, you know, uh, mental and physical and, and both distress but it's always interesting to me how inspiring it is to find someone who actually found some tools to apply to their life to not only improve the physical state of their life but but the mental state of their life and I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast about probably a year ago now and he had that international singer from the 90s uh, or she was huge in the 90s Jewel I'm not sure if you've heard of Jewel uh, no I maybe uh, but I don't recognize the name now. Ah, sure no well she's a uh, I, I like it I've got a little soft spot for her but she was really interesting because I thought she was coming on just as a singer, but she'd been through some crazy, um, you know, mental challenges and things in her life. But one of the things that she said helped her get through was noticing when she's in a state of freedom and noticing when she's in a state of stress yeah. and started to write down which elements or, or, or what things she was doing. So if she was in a state of freedom, she'd go, oh, I, I'm reading, I'm on the beach, I'm going for a walk, I'm exercising. And, and then also states of stress, like, oh, I've, you know, I've been in front of the computer for eight hours. I haven't socialized. I'm not eating well. And I thought, oh, it's so interesting. So I, I started just putting together a little column of my freedom elements and my stress elements. And one of the big ones for me was, was exercise in general, but specifically running. And I always notice whenever I go through a, um, a, a difficult period, like back in about 2017 or 2018, I, I lost a couple of people really close to me and um, was dealing with a lot of grief and uh, was really unclear what it was that I was actually struggling with at the time because it was I didn't realize how directly it had hit me and the the one area the one space of my life that I felt like just offered me some level of not not some level like almost back to full full peace full chill was running and the harder I ran I felt the the better I felt so I always looked forward to getting into the running but what I was curious about, because you said at that time you had started to do a little bit of running. Had you noticed the same kind of pattern that you felt good when you were exercising? Like, what was it that made you realize, okay, well, uh, uh, running's the area where I really want to um, not only pursue, but help put these practices in place to get me through it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, before I discovered flow and before I discovered, um, you know, mindful running and active meditation and all these practices and how to actually do this, uh, purposefully, when I was still training in London before those uh, challenges, I was simply going out for a run because, um, you know, it was releasing my uh, tightness in the body because the issues with me was that, uh, you know, um, when I was experiencing the childhood traumas, uh, you know, even if you don't think about this and um, it's probably the same like you experienced traumas when you men mentioned that when you lost close to your people, that even if you don't think this later, a few years later, those experiences, the painful emotional experiences left, stays in our, you know, uh, body, stays in our um, mind and in our emotions. But um, the mind can trick you because you know we have between uh, 40 to 70,000 thoughts a day. This is our biology. This is how our mind is working. So you know if your mind is on subconsciously thinking about something, you may get on the autopilot and the mind actually can trick you. If the mind can trick you, then your emotions can trick you also because what you thought is usually turned into your uh, you know, emotional 
uh, response. But if you learn to listen to your body, the body will never trick you because every single emotion, every single thought is located somewhere in the body. Every single traumatic experience, no matter if it's if we are kids, if we are teenagers or if we are adult, um, all the, the negative and positive experiences, they are allocated somewhere in the body. And I actually, when I was training for the big challenges in London, I actually realized that you know, when I'm moving, uh, when I feel physical pain, when I feel that strong heaviness, when I feel that really heavy tightness in my body and I go for a run and I push it and I control my thoughts that I'm starting purposefully thinking positive things, that actually my body is um, releasing the tightness. At, and and I just feel uh, better. Um, so I was, you know, searching around this, what I can do and how I can improve and how I can practice, um, you know, thinking and when I'm running and what I need to think and how this is affecting my my emotions. So that I, I become really curious about this area, so what is happening when I'm when when I'm running. Yeah, it's so interesting. This is an area I'm so fascinated about, fascinated about in so many different fields, not just running. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of Wim Hof, the, the yeah. Iceman, the breathing coach. And part of what I love about him is exactly what you're talking about here. It's, it's amazing to hear about the capacity that we have to deal with discomfort and pain and um, uncertainty when you have the strategies in place. And I mean, there's, there's endless, like last night I was watching a, um, everyone should check this out. It's called Lost Tapes. It's an 11 part Kelly Slater documentary. Who's an, uh, an American surfer. You probably heard of Kelly Slater, uh, one of the best of all time, but he's, I think he's pushing 50 now, or he might be, he might be 50 and he's still surfing against some of the best athletes in the world. And just hearing about the discomfort that he constantly puts himself through to being the top physical shape uh, to get out there on the board is is mind-blowing another one is Novak Djokovic after you know his his most recent Wimbledon victory these people that they, they've obviously got the ability to not only the physical ability to perform at the level that they're at but but to be able to overcome the obstacles Nick Kyrgios after the Wimbledon final the Australian player said that he just felt Novak was so incredibly composed even in really clutch moments and I I, I was doing a bit of a Google search last night just trying to learn about you know, the, the mental side of Novak's performance. And I think he's quite a lot into uh, the quantum world, like figuring out how it is that our thoughts dictate our emotions and vice versa, like what you were saying. But that was one area I was keen to, to unpack with you to hear a little bit more about the strategies that you're using, because I think to the average person who hears about the distance and the ground that you're covering, it'd be hard to comprehend how you navigate that discomfort. So I'm not sure if you have specific keys or cues that you use but i'd love to hear a little bit sure. more about some of them and and figure out how you know our audience of you know we've got a range of listeners here all the way from brand new runners to to elite uh, elite performers um and i know that this conversation it spreads across all of those areas all of us have mindset issues so um if that question made sense i'd love to hear a little more yeah, about of that. Course. 
You know, the most important thing is to understand that um, um, what we do is painful. I mean, the exercises and running is painful. If we train to run the first five kilometers, uh, I remember that was really painful when I started you know, from zero. Then when we increase to 10 kilometers, it's painful. If we increase to 20 kilometers, it's painful. You know, at current time, now I have a little injury. I mean, I, I'm, I took a break to prevent the injury because it was the pain which was indicating the injury. But um, I'm running roughly now um, four times per week, 50 kilometers um, a day in preparation for that big challenge to run the circumference of the earth. And I'm increasing this to 75 kilometers a day. So, you know, the first thing is that to understand that what we do is painful, but because we do this, we, we just want to do this. We, that's our decision. So, you know, if we later feel the pain, we choose this pain. We, we, we put ourselves into this. So uh, we need to find that then the way how to rewrite our mind because our mind is, you know, um, design it that way, uh, that uh, the mind is always finding first the negative uh, things. Um, but we can rewrite uh, the mind to, to, to um, always looking for the positive things. So what I do um, when I'm increasing the distance, um, I never think about the entire distance. I don't think now that I'm uh, you know, preparing myself to run the 40,000 kilometers. I don't even think about the distance which I will run weekly, which is 300 kilometers. Not even the distance which I will daily run daily, 75 kilometers. I'm simply focusing on the nearest 15 minutes, on two and a half uh, kilometers. And the trick is, here is that at the beginning, when you're trying to push your mind to focus only on 15 minutes, of course, your mind is saying to you, no, 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 you are planning to run 50 kilometers, which is going to be painful. Then you're starting panicking. The mind is starting sending the signals to your, to your body. And uh, the mind is purposefully sending the signals to the parts of your body, which you probably felt the pain before. And everything is, you're starting feeling, you know, the pain in lots of different um, locations in, in your body. But then you have to say to yourself, I always treat my mind as a, as a separate uh, organ, which is not uh, inside me, it's something like next person to me. And I'm always saying to, to my mind, uh, my mind have a name, is a, a mind. So I'm saying to, to my mind, no, no, no mind. We are running two and a half kilometers, 15 minutes. And later we will see, maybe we will run another 15 minutes another two and a half uh, kilometers. Mm -hmm. And you, you trick your mind at the beginning, the mind is resisting this. But if you keep repeating this with, um, with compassion and with, uh, without uh, you know, uh, pushing, um, with um, understanding and acknowledging and acceptance, your mind is eventually clicking. And then you're really focusing on the nearest 15 minutes. What is happening after 15 minutes, you are reaching your goal. You have a goal for 15 minutes, you reach mm -hmm. your goal and then your brain releasing a bit of dopamine. So there is a reward uh, drug, let's call it. And uh, um, you, you are building this way, interesting motivation. I'm also building the, 
reward system. So after every 15 minutes, I'm rewarding myself somehow. You know, I'm not racing. So people who are racing, they have to think about those system. I'm not racing. Um, for me, it's not really important how fast I will be running. For me, it's important to pass the distance. And uh, so, you know, after uh, 15 minutes, I either take a little break, like one or two minutes, I either have a bit of water or whatever drink I have with me, or if I'm running, if, if it's the fourth 15 minutes and I need to eat something, then I have some snack, but I'm actually planning what is, what, what is my reward. So then um, I'm giving this opportunity to my brain to release that dopamine because um, I'm just coding the brain that is a time for the reward. So then mm. the reward, then the brain is releasing the, the dopamine. And this is actually how I'm passing the entire distance. Wherever is 50 kilometers or 100 kilometers a day, um, you know, I'm, I'm really running with a huge smile on, on my face. Of course, I have those moments when the runs becoming really heavy and I have to implement some more mindfulness tools, uh, some more positive thinking. Sometimes I am, you know, the pain is annoying. So, um, implementing, um, um, assigning um, pain as a trigger for gratefulness. So for example, if I feel the pain at knee and I pass already um, 10 or 15 or 20 kilometers, I target myself with thinking about three positive things that I'm grateful for. So then I'm saying, for example, oh, I uh, thank you that I pass already 15 kilometers. I'm grateful that um, the pain is actually not so much annoying. I acknowledge this pain. I accept this pain. Of course, I choose the heavy physical activity. Of course, I have a pain. And the third gratefulness, let's say, I'm grateful that I see a beautiful tree in front of me. Mm. And usually the pain release uh, because, uh, you know, if you don't resist, if you don't uh, getting angry, annoyed and saying, oh, that bloody pain again. But if you assign the positive grateful gratefulness exercise to the pain it usually release of course after a few minutes it may come back but then i think again about another three things that i'm grateful for and i need to find another uh, different things not that ones which i already um, already said mm. you know sometimes it's really heavy then i have a song which i love um, my little uh, my older son which is 17 years old now but when he was a little kid, he was watching always cartoon, the um, Finding Nemo. Yeah. And there was a little dory, a little fish dory, who always lost the way. And she was singing, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> so it's always getting me into really positive emotions because when I was coming back from work, my son was always watching this cartoon. And then I, we was playing together. So then when I have a really hard time, I'm singing to myself, just keep running, just keep running. And it always put me in a great mood and I'm just running. So, you know, uh, uh, it's a lot of um, uh, you know, mindful exercises which, which you can implement. And the more you train this on a daily basis, the easier is later to apply this when you really need this, yeah. when you race or when you run a really long distance and you really need this, is then the brain is actually doing this automatically.
It's really interesting, man. I I, uh, I think this is funny because yesterday I wrote this down because one of the areas that I'm trying to improve is just is just my patience. Like I've my fuse is, is too short. Like whenever it comes to trying to get things done, when things don't work quickly, I get I get frustrated. Obviously, like all of us at times, but it's an area that I'm sick of getting frustrated at. I said to my wife, "All right, I'm going to start the process." And what's so interesting, and I know this is true whether we're running or at the gym or trying to improve your patience. Because uh, I've done this in other area of my life where I've, I've really improved an area, but the start, as you say, it's always the hardest part. Like there'll be a moment, even as I was setting up, I hear confession time. Even as as I was setting up for this podcast, I see these curtains behind me. I couldn't get them. I couldn't get them in sync. And I was, <laughs> I said to my wife, I've got two minutes until he's on. I got to, I got to straighten him. But what I notice is uh, the <laughs> that frustration that comes initially when because patience is something that I just let go for however long. I'm like, I don't care. I'll work on it later. And now that I'm aware of it, the most difficult part is to go, all right, take a breath and start making that change. And as you say, I know in two weeks, if I'm consistent with it, it can start to be the foundation to actually a completely different style of living. So that's why I'm going to commit to it. But it's it's interesting that we're talking about this now when I I wrote down, uh, yeah, uh, impatience is a vehicle for transformation. I wrote that down as my little goal for the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm making it sound like it's a bigger issue than it is, but it's really, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I think for people, uh, one of the hardest steps is starting because it's the most difficult step to take, like that classic uh, uh, pushing a boulder. Once you get it moving, all right, we're on a roll. But at the start, it's just stagnant, it's stuck. Um, how do you go with that? Because obviously, as you say, it's something that you're practicing daily. Are you using your running as the the vehicle for um, for the transformation, or is uh, is this something that you're taking steps in uh, before your runs, after your? I guess all through your days is, is like a big long yoga session, by the sounds of it. And you know, when, when I run, I actually meditate all the time. So if I run five hours, it means I'm meditating five hours. If I run ten hours, it means I'm meditating ten hours. But you know, um, at the beginning, is uh, is great before you even go for a run because you know we all live in a stressful world. Mm-hmm. We you know we have lots of stresses. Since we wake up in the morning, our you know, phone is pinging, our email is coming. We have to respond. You know, we have to. Uh, get kids to the school and uh, do the breakfast and everything you know, we, we are um, we, we cannot avoid the stress in life uh, but we can learn how to respond to the stress and what I do before I go for run to 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 prepare myself is to get get that mental space um, um, even before I start running. So I don't put my body into, you know, additional stress because our body, our mind, our emotions are already, are already in a stressful situation. So I try to get um, at least five, 10 minutes, uh, you know, um, sitting, standing uh, meditation before I even go for a run and create that mental space when uh, um, you know, I come down, take a few deep breaths, and then I'm going uh, for a run. I'm usually starting running by um, picking up the some sort of the environment anhole. So it all depends in which area I'm running. I'm just targeting myself with noticing something what is not so much in this area. I usually teach people if they're running in a, in a cities that they can pick up 
orange color uh, because it's not something what they notice uh, a lot but actually there is a lot of orange colors in um, in the environment and to get easily into the um, creating uh, space for and, and being in, into the present moment awareness is one of the simplest exercise exercises and between the next you know between the few minutes when you start running you can actually get into the present moment you simply um, noticing the orange color so you are focusing on the environment to notice this orange color and then when you notice it, you are saying simply to yourself orange and you keep running and, um, you know, the, the effect, the results is, is crazy between the few minutes, you see a massive uh, body relaxation and you feel all these tensions, which is releasing inside of you and the run is becoming really effortless. I mean, it, it's at least start happening in my case and um, um, there are lots of people which are practicing what I'm saying to them. They are coming back with uh, with a similar, um, uh, you know, feedback. Yeah, yeah. It's what, what I think is interesting about it, um, and so many of the, the things that we're speaking about here. They're so helpful, so so simple. Um, but just like uh, running, running is not really an overcomplicated sport when you know what you're doing. It's just a matter of doing the small things consistently, isn't it? And that's where the the breakthroughs start to to show. I really like that um, a lot of the areas that you're talking about, they're actually practical ways to be able to, um, uh, I guess, I guess divert your attention from the discomfort to something else so you can develop that state of relaxation. And I, I really like what you were saying before about that being, I guess, the key of the meditation. I was, uh, I, I can't remember where I, where I heard this, but when I was younger, maybe it was my mum. She would often say like that, uh, that which you resist persists. And it's just that classic, catchphrase to to encourage you to to step into whatever's causing the discomfort or to um just be able to i guess acknowledge it there's a really cool children's story about a, a little kid who has a dragon in his room like it's just a little tiny one and he takes it down to his mum, and he goes look i've got a dragon she goes no you don't like there's no dragon um it's not there you don't talk to it because there's nothing there and the next day it comes down it's a little bit bigger and then eventually it, they ignore it for so long that it, it grows so big, it takes over the house and flies away with it. Um, <laughs> and the, the answer to it was, it, it, uh, the answer to keeping it small was acknowledging that it exists. And I, know, I don't know about you, but, but for me, the, uh, the real stresses in my life and the one I, I touched on briefly from a few years ago, I think were due to me just trying not to admit it, just going, no, I'm happy, I'm fine, I'm all good, let's just keep rolling. And before I knew it, it, had, uh, it sort of just flown away. Um, yeah, it's, so it's it's really helpful, but I also know how in the moment it can be difficult to apply. Do you, do you feel now that it's it's almost second nature to you because you've been practicing it for such a long time so consistently, you can just click I mean, into that mindset? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's quite easy because I, I do this for quite a few years, but you know, not, not every day is the same. Uh, sometimes, you know, something is happening and uh, you know, I have these difficulties and I keep coming back with my thoughts to... To you know, to the same situation and keep repeating and keep repeating, and um, I'm, as I said, then I'm just acknowledging. I'm telling to myself, okay, it's no more mind. We are thinking about this. Um, uh, that was, I don't know, maybe some sort of the painful situation. I'm saying to my mind, um, look, mind, I hear you, I feel you. I know this was painful uh, to us, 
but we got this and we will be healing from it. It's just a matter of time. I know I, I, I'm talking a lot to myself yeah. when I'm running, not necessarily loud, but I'm talking a lot to myself when I'm running um, in my mind. And um, when all this hard times starting to acknowledge and accept, and usually when, as you said, when you usually when you acknowledge and accept is, is just going away. If you try to resist, it's just getting stronger and, mm. and stronger and stronger. So, um, but yeah, some, sometimes it's hard. Not every day, is, we are just humans and we just need to understand this, that you know, some of the days we run easily 40 kilometers a day. The other day it's hard to run 10 kilometers and you know, we have to accept uh, that's how the life is. Mm. And um, as soon as we find with this, um, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. And now more than just applying this to yourself through through your own runs, you're actually, um, am I right in saying you've got an online membership or you're working with clients yeah. that are interested in this? Because I can imagine there'd be plenty of runners out there who are who are really jiving with with what it is that you're saying. Are you, are you able to just explain that to us a little bit? Because that sounded really interesting sure. in the um, original emails that we were sending. Yeah, sure. So basically, I, I wrote the entire book about this, about all my experiences, and the book contains the the whole uh, program and the process, how to start it and how to go through all the all the exercises. I also created the online program uh, for uh, which I, I reduced this now to eight weeks actually, and uh, because before it was twelve weeks, which was a bit too long, so I reduced this now to uh, to eight weeks. And um, I also have the possibilities that people can just stay uh, with uh, under the membership when they buy the, the program, they can have continued the membership for the for up to a year in the same price um, and, um, you know, practice all the uh, uh, meditations and um, yeah, it's a plenty of uh, workshops It's uh, over. Uh, 120 uh, lectures so you, know, you can start actually from zero from not being a runner at all and go through the whole process and implement active meditation and mindful running into not only to running but to you know any sort of the physical activities cycling swimming you know cross fitness whatever you do but you can also implement uh, all those techniques to activities such as like you know putting your clothes on taking shower brushing your tooth uh, drinking coffee making preparing food walking you know whatever is a physical activity that you have to somehow move you can implement all those little techniques i teach people how to start from as little as three minutes few times per day so just a bit, you know, for me, it was really difficult at the beginning when I was starting trying meditation and I was trying at the beginning the traditional sitting meditation and even sitting for uh, 10 minutes was really hard um, uh, for me. Um, but the active meditation was the game changer because you don't need to separate time for this. You can implement active meditation to you know, lots of activities which you do anyway on a daily basis. And that, that was for me a, a game changer. It's cool that you say that. One of the things we've got a we've got a two-year-old at our house and we've got another one on the way in about three months. Um, 
and I was having a chat with my wife the other day, just saying it's amazing. Like, obviously, I sound like a classic parent now. As amazing as it is, you have to learn really quick that you can't be as selfish as you used to be. Even when, and what I used to be doing wasn't necessarily selfish. It was just I had nothing else to invest my time in, like my like my kid. But um, uh, but little things like yoga practice and meditation and and just a few areas journaling that I used to really enjoy doing has has kind of taken a back seat. And I was having a chat to yeah, as I said, my wife. But I've had this conversation with a few friends. I say I'm I'm trying to learn to make the the frustration of not being able to invest in all of those things. My little meditation, just be able to get used to that. Hey, this is a season, it's a phase. And it's amazing when you actually take that um, present moment outlook that you're explaining and apply it, how much more enjoyable it is. It doesn't become something that you have to just sort of fight against and just keep looking at your watch. Like, how long till I can actually go do what, yeah. <laughs> what I want to do? It's, um, yeah, I'm constantly amazed how how much more more enjoyment comes into a situation when you're aware of, of what you're doing. So that makes, it makes a lot of sense, man. I'm going to link your, your website, your book and everything in the show notes, but um, are you, are you just doing the membership or are you working one-on-one with clients as well? Um, I'm not really working one-on-one with clients, but uh, you know, um, if someone uh, will looking to work that way, probably I will find the time uh, for it. So, you know, people can always, uh, pop on my website and uh, uh, drop me an email. And um, you know, if, if I have a time for this, um, uh, we might think and we might try to arrange something. Yeah, and that's really good, man. I, um, I've just sort of, I've danced around this and I just remembered it was a question I wanted to ask you because, uh, because obviously when you're working with the distances that you are, you have to be careful and deliberate with the food that you're packing when you're out there running are you are you just running with gels have you got drink bottles have you got like a little i'm not sure what oh, you call man, it. we call it a, i think they call it a fanny pack in america we call it a bum bag that that's the nightmare with the food <laughs> <laughs> you know, i'm running with a little backpack so it's about eight ten kilos so i have you know like a shorts on me shoes uh, t-shirt and just one more of, of each of each of it in a backpack uh, laptop, uh, mobile, and you cannot really pack a lot because you know I'm I'm working after the after the run, so you know I'm not just running. No one is paying me for the fact of running. Mm. I have to work when I complete my um, runs. So um, you know I'm counting actually on the food along the way. Um, I have some gels. I have some snacks with me. Um, I have some you know hydration tablets uh, for for the water to mix with. And I'm counting that I'm going to have the shops along the way mm-hmm. and that uh, when I arrive to the next destination, that <laughs> so there will be um, food there. And sometimes it's not like this. You know, I did have a lot of issues when I was running through Vietnam for three months, a bit over 3000 kilometers. There was a lot of issues to find the food along the way. And so, sometimes I seen the shops on a map and I always book the hotel in the morning and then I'm running to the next location. Sometimes I have I have to run 40 kilometers to, to hotel. Sometimes I have to run 80 kilometers um, to hotel. And then I have to run it. Um, you know, uh, there was a, also a massive issue, which I didn't expect at all uh, when I was when I started running in March this year through Highland in Scotland. I was in shock that uh, the distance between the shops uh, was sometimes even like 100 kilometers and also the distance between the bed and breakfast was 100 kilometers 
And you know, so um, and, and I was I started running through Scotland before the season, uh, the tourist season. Oh. So lots of places was just closed, and I filed with the with the proper research because I, I felt confident. I did already two challenges with you know with a backpack. So I said, yeah, I'm gonna find it <laughs> along the way. I'll just wake up in the morning and I'm gonna get what I need to get. And I was shocked and I was just knocking to the doors to people, asking for water, <laughs> asking for food. Sometimes I was asking for a bed if they can, if I can stay because you know, otherwise I'm on the middle of nowhere. And, you know, in Scotland, uh, you know, when I was running through Asia, you have actually lots of you know, trees and you can hide a bit from, from the uh, heat. When I was running through Scotland, through the mountains, through the highland, it was nothing there. It was just yeah. me and the mountains. And even if it was raining or snowing or something, there was absolutely nothing to hide. I just have to keep running. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's challenging. That's interesting, man. I would have, I would have guessed as you were saying that you're doing your run through Vietnam. I would have guessed that the Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam run would have been much more difficult just because of the humidity and the heat. But I didn't think about the fact that you might have a little bit of tree cover. How how do you go in the heat? Obviously, I'm. Uh, Poland's not necessarily known for its super hot weather, from what I understand. Uh, I know when I think of Poland, yeah. I think more of a, a snow and overcast, a bit more London-style uh, winter weather. Do you get hot yeah. summers there, or is uh, you put I mean, on your feet? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, like now it's really hot in Poland. Uh, ah. The summers are hot, uh, but um, yeah, when I was running through Asia, it was it was hard some of the days. It was like mm. uh, nearly forty degrees Celsius. And uh, I, I started, I usually start running five, six in the morning when it's still a darkness in Asia. And uh, I usually finish by about 12, one, two o'clock. Um, so before that, you know, biggest heat. Um, but sometimes I didn't manage and I was still running. Um, and um, yeah, what I can say, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so you're surviving on, I've been to Vietnam, actually I went to Hanoi uh, Da Nang. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far down I got. I think. I think I got to Da Nang, and that was the furthest I went. But we survived on on noodle soup, or we call it pho in in Melbourne. I, I don't know how they say it, but um, I, I can imagine in the heat, in the hot, the last thing you feel like is hot noodle soup when you finish the run. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, you know, when I was running through Vietnam over three months, I did have enough of the noodle soup. <laughs> By the end, I was like, oh god, no. <laughs> But it's the same when I was running to Thailand for, for two months. I did have enough of egg fried rice <laughs> and, you know, um, rice with the chicken, rice with the eggs, rice with the vegetables, etc. So, you know, and the, the thing is that, you know, when you are in a, when you run through tourist locations, you have whatever you want. Everything is there. Yeah. When you run through small villages in Asia, you have what the local people have. So... There is a really limited um, amount, not amount of the food, but really limited choice um, of the food. Mm. And you have to consider that um, there is not really such a thing like a, a food hygiene in those small villages um, along the way um, you know, in Asia. So sometimes it was really challenging. <laughs> yeah. And the, the water over in uh, Vietnam is hit and miss as well. You have to be careful to make sure you're getting bottled water and everything. Did you have any troubles there? You don't have to go into too many details if the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> brutal, brutal. Yeah, that's so tough. I uh, As soon as you said running through there, I thought, oh, that's a 
tough place to need to be hydrated when you're a Westerner. Yeah. But you know, you learn from one day to another day. You just learn. And um, when I was running through Vietnam, I, I did I did actually dehydrate my body, um, not because I was drinking the wrong water or not enough water, but because um, there was um, yeah, not enough salt in my body because um, the, the 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 water flushed out the salt from my body, and then whatever I was drinking, it was just I was just sweating out, mm. and I get dehydrated. It was pretty much danger. I almost ended up in a hospital. And actually, on one evening, uh, on a, one morning, the doctor said to me that if if I don't start eating and drinking this morning, by the end of the day, then they have to put me to the hospital. Um, because um, it, it's just going to start, you know, getting really danger. So I really pushed myself to go to the market, buy some bananas. And I was trying really pushing those bananas. And I, I eventually didn't go. I spent um, 11 days in bed. Uh, the receptionist was knocking to my doors every half an hour, one hour to check if I'm still fine, if I'm still alive wow. <laughs> in the room. Man, and, and then tough. after this, I was really careful uh, what I'm drinking and what I'm eating. And, uh, you know, there was no proper... Uh, hydration products in uh, Vietnam to buy. So I was simply mixing uh, water with salt and sugar, and I was controlling it that way. So. Gee, man, no, that's uh, that's brutal. I learned firsthand. I was in Nepal climbing through the mountains there back in 2015, and I got sick not from altitude but from a bowl of oats. They made it with water, and the water hasn't hadn't been heated up properly. The next morning, right. I was supposed to be climbing a mountain, and there was I wasn't even getting out of my tent. <laughs> it, was, it was brutal but man i'd love to i'd love to touch base if you're keen um you know midway through the the big challenge or, or whenever you've got something to share so uh, hey whenever whenever you're interested in coming back on and having a chat make sure you reach out because uh, your adventures one I'm, I'm super keen to follow and uh yeah i'd love to love to keep the conversation going perfect you know we will have after a couple of months when i start running uh, from new york um, after a couple of months, we will have the broadcasting studio with us, which will follow me in the, in a caravan. You know, the big challenge at 40,000 kilometers, I'm starting on my own with a backpack, but then I will have an entire team following me. So it will be easier um, be awesome. this time. And, you know, we have a lot of events along the way. Um, so I cannot actually run on my own. So, yeah, definitely we will be in touch and um, we can have uh, even few conversations along the way. Sounds great, man. Hey, thanks for coming on. I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. See you later, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com 